podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Tonight, I'm going to be joined once again by Mike Plank, the editor-in-chief over at Rock Chalk Talk. Uh, we will be recapping the game against Central Michigan, which I think is fair to say everybody was a little bit surprised by the outcome there. So, um, But I'm not going to dive too much into it here in the intro. We're actually going to go ahead and get right over there, but uh, make sure you stay tuned after that. We have some show notes, uh, some upcoming things that are happening Um and I have an announcement for what's going to be uh, happening later on in the week uh, in terms of preview for the Rutgers game. So uh, make sure you join us after the interview with Mike, but uh, we'll get right on over to that. And I'm joined now by Mike Plank, uh, the editor-in-chief over at Rock Chalk Talk, and I think the number one football fan over on the site, at least if we're to be believed by all the football articles that he put out over the summer. Um, you also, Mike, had the pleasure of actually getting to go up to Mount Pleasant to watch the Central Michigan game. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, and I'm actually still in Michigan as we speak, so there's that. So, just spent too much time celebrating? <laughs> no, we just made a, a family trip out of it. I've got family in the Ann Arbor area, so we just spent a week up here, and we're having a good time. In other words, if you're going to pick a week to go watch a KU road game and make a family trip out of it, you pick the perfect week for it. So. I did, and um, just a fun fact, um, KU is now 2-0 and in the state of Michigan when I attend a sporting event. Uh, I, I came up here in, I think, 2011 for the Kansas-Michigan basketball game, and we won that in overtime, and now and now the football game. So 2-0, and um, anyone at KU Athletics, you know, I'm uh, I'm listening. All right, I'll I'll make sure to CC them on the tweet. So, <laughs> so so after the big win, obviously that is the big story. Um, what what did you do to celebrate? Uh, mostly just sat there in disbelief. Yeah, you know, I think that was kind of my reaction <laughs> as well. Like I thought I would be, you know, super shocked. Like I was still. Now I only got to watch the first half. Um, I watched like the first like five minutes of the of the third quarter. Um, but I actually had previously had company that had, you know, planned on coming over and I hadn't realized that the game was at three thirty for some reason. I was thinking it was later in the day. So I got to watch the first half, um, and that was it. And so <laughs> yeah, I turned the T V back on, um, got back in like with the last two minutes left, and at that point, you know, we had taken a huge lead off of all of those turnovers and I was I was just stunned. Like I didn't know how to react yeah. to it. So um so let's let's jump right into kind of breaking down the game. I mean, obviously there was a lot of people that played fairly well. Um, I think pretty much the only people that didn't play well was the quarterbacks. But um, as stated by Scott Chasen um, in one of the articles uh, that that he had put out, kind of talking about this, they really just didn't have an opportunity, just given how well the defense played and and how well the running game got going. So, um, which who, who do you think was the biggest star of this game? I think Joe Janine stands out the most. Um, I just he had a monster game. He had the I guess that was his first ever interception, 
and uh, you know, obviously led the team with 14 tackles. And I mean, you just we just heard his name constantly over the loudspeaker. Joe Deneen made the tackle. Joe Deneen with the tackle. Joe Deneen with, and it was just, I mean, the dude was on fire. Uh, I, he he was definitely. I mean, if you can't name the Central Michigan quarterback as our MVP, then you have to give it to Joe Deneen. <laughs> yeah, I mean. The nice thing about it, though, it wasn't just Joe Deneen making plays. I mean, Keith Loniker had a few big stops. Um, That's I true. Have, I actually had made some mentions like earlier in the in in the game when I was watching in, in the first half, and you know, sure, Deneen was all over the place affecting the plays, but really, there was a bunch of other guys that were able to make key stops that were really not able to to ever let the Central Michigan offense get going, and so despite, you know, the, the one lapse in the secondary that allowed them to get that one touchdown, um, you know, it, it really was a full team defensive effort. Um, Joe Deneen is obviously the leader of that, of that defense, but there was a lot of other guys that made some really, really big plays. So, all right. What about on the offensive side? I mean, is it, is it anybody other than Puka Williams? I mean, I, no, I haven't looked at any, any replays or highlights or film or anything like that. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm just kind of going off of what two day old memory here at this point. Uh, but yeah, obviously Puka Williams is the story of the day, right? right? And he's been well covered by, you know, all the major KU outlets. Um, I, I'm, I don't think Peyton Bender looked good at all again. And I don't know if that was a product of his offensive line or if he's just, you know, gun shy after the last year and nickel state or, or what the deal is. I, I'm pretty sure his stats will back that up, but I, I feel like he had a pretty bad game, was not very accurate. Again, um, I don't know that Miles Kendrick was that much better, but at least he gave the offense a different dimension. Uh, and I believe Kendrick played most of the fourth quarter uh, until the last drive when Carter Stanley came in to hand the ball off a couple times. Yeah. So, um, but, I, I mean, that that's... You know, none of the receivers really stood out. We we saw Dalen Charlotte on the field. I think he only caught one or two passes, though. Um, I, I was really hoping to see something out of him against a Mac school. You know, a guy that's good enough to play at Alabama, and he gets one catch against you know a Mac team. Like I was really hoping that they would uh, they would really try to exploit him, I guess, and see what he could do. But we didn't get to see that. Uh, so I guess it was. I guess it was more what we didn't see out of the offense that was disappointing than than what we did see. Yeah, really, I think this was just a case of the game plan and how the game progressed didn't really give us an opportunity to see much receiving. Now, Bender was fairly inaccurate in the first half, um, didn't really get an opportunity to get going. A lot of that seemed to be offensive line related. Um, the offensive line was, was you know kind of holding a little bit better, but someone had actually made a comment about how Alex Fontana was not starting at, at center for that game. Right. Um, I was able to track it on Twitter, so I was aware yeah. of that. And then he, but then he got put back into the game. Like they actually made a mention of it on the broadcast itself that he was back in the game, even though he didn't start. And immediately they gave up that huge sack of Bender that that mm. on on a third down. So there was definitely offensive line issues. They had all kinds of problems uh, in that first half. What really ended up happening is the second half they were very very run heavy. Um, they actually had a total of 45 runs, and then uh, only 27 passing plays. Now, two of those were the kneel downs by Carter Stanley that get credited as a as a team kneel down or a team rush. Right. Team but, rush, yeah. But I mean, you know, 43 runs to 27 passing plays. You know, we're looking at 
we're looking at at a pretty big disparity. And and really, a lot of that's just the fact that the running game really got going. Um, Puka Williams, you know, his um, well, the the other thing too, though, and which is kind of swaying this a little bit, is just that um, you know, if they if they throw it to a guy out in the flat, if he's you know, if the pass is backwards, it counts as a rush. Because I know, like one of those throws to right. Puka Williams, where he went 41 yards uh, for the touchdown, that was a throw. Like he was out in the flat, Bender threw it to him, and he just takes it to the house. Like that, that for all intents and purposes, was a passing play. It just happened to be that he threw it a little bit backwards. Like he threw it like a quarter of a yard behind him, and so that <laughs> that that goes as a rushing play instead of a passing play. So yeah, I mean, a, a lot of those. I think Bender's numbers would look a lot better, and his his completion percentage would look a lot better if those those routes out there were considered to be passes like they really are get drawn up in the in the playbook um as opposed to rushes but uh so, so i mean yeah puka goes down as having 125 rushing yards uh with two touchdowns uh he only gets credited with one reception for eight yards so the the, the fact that bender was swinging those passes out to him um you know but they're going as runs instead of passes kind of does Bender a disservice and does the the overall passing numbers a disservice as well? Not saying that they're, you know, a, a world beating uh, offensive team in, in the in the passing game, um, but it, it does kind of skew it a little bit. So I'm not necessarily as concerned. It definitely was not a banner day for the quarterbacks, though. Um, you know, Miles Kendrick, he only threw one pass. It was a one it was a completion for fifteen yards. Um, so his passing numbers look great, but I thought when he was in there that the offense didn't really necessarily click like you were expecting them to. to. At this point, I'm not sure. Are you are you seeing the point of having Miles Kendrick in there as kind of a change of pace? Because it doesn't really seem to be adding anything, um, you know, that's too phenomenal. Like we're not getting huge gains on those packages or anything like that. It's more of a we're, we're throwing in another quarterback just to say that we're throwing in another quarterback. Right, and once again, the timing of it I thought was odd. If I remember correctly, um, when KD scored its first touchdown in the second quarter, the very next possession, Miles Kendrick came in. So just when the offense has a positive result and gets something going, then all of a sudden we're changing up what we're doing. Yep. And it just doesn't make sense. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So they, they scored the touchdown. We have two, basically just under three minutes left to go in the in the half, and they throw in Miles Kendrick. Not only that, but you know, they they start that off, run, run, and then Miles Kendrick gets this one pass. Um, you know, and then it's Miles Kendrick's running, Puka Williams is running, Puka Williams running again. Like it's just a bunch of runs at that point. So at that point, if if you're going to become an extremely one-dimensional team, there really is no reason to have him in there. Um, yeah, I just I almost would rather that they don't have this special one series a game package set up for him and let him just sit out and redshirt because if, if he's as good as you think he is, you know, because, you know, like this screams to me of, we think he's a big playmaker. We want to get him on the field, but we don't want to sit our senior quarterback. Um, if he's that good, then save him for next year when you can actually get that full year of eligibility out of him and actually use it. Um, it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. It's another thing that makes me scratch my head that even though we got the result this time, I still don't have a lot of confidence in this coaching staff. Right. Right. All right. So, so obviously we have the the two big guys on one on offense, one on defense. Kind of kind of jumping off of that point there. Joe Deneen Jr. was actually on the Pro Football Focus National Defensive t- uh, Team for Week Two. 
he was the, I believe he was the third highest rated guy um, on that entire team individually. So what, I mean, does that kind of back, are, are you expecting to see him get those kind of accolades at week in and week out from this team? Uh, I would expect him to be up there more consistently than anybody else, honestly. Um, he did it a couple times last year, I believe. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would expect to see him up there. Um, and I would honestly expect to see Daniel Wise up there, who, you know, occasionally at least, um, who I don't know if he's just being game planned out or what, but I don't think I heard his name called once on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, he did not have a spectacular game, but it wasn't a bad one. He... Again, I mean, I'm seeing his role this year is turning a lot into like what happened with uh, with Dorrance Armstrong last year, and that taking up not, blockers. Right, he's picking up blockers. He's like clogging it up, allowing other guys to make tackles, um, but it's just not working out really well for him. He doesn't get uh, a lot of chances to get hurries on the quarterback. He doesn't get a lot of chances to really get in there and get tackled for losses. He he played pretty well last last week, and I believe he had eight. Eight tackles, one for a loss last week. I'm actually trying to look up his stats right now to see what he was credited with. But it just doesn't seem like he's getting nearly as many opportunities um, to really make the big plays. In fact, I'm looking here. I don't see him as credited with any stats at all for the entire game. So there's no – he didn't get a single tackle. He didn't get – oh, man, that's that's crazy. He didn't get a single tackle. He didn't get any kind of hurries or anything. So like he does not yeah. show up on the on the stat line at all for anything. Yeah, which is kind of ridiculous, but um, it, it kind of just confirms what I'm thinking in that he's now being used to clog up running lanes. He's being used to right. kind of to to cause havoc with the offensive line, but he's not getting the opportunities in doing that to actually get in there and and get his name on the stat sheet. So, um, I, I, you know, I get the feeling he has he has the talent that he could, you know, he could be like a Dorn Armstrong type guy where he could get, you know, in on a on an NFL roster in one of the later rounds just from his athleticism alone. The problem is he's not going to have the highlights that a team is going to need to take him higher. Um, whereas a guy right. that, that's going to be getting all the accolades like Joe Deneen Jr., I don't think he has the body type uh, to really be considered to be a high pick. I mean, he's going to – he's. I, I see him a lot like a Ben Heaney type of guy where he gets drafted late in the draft and makes a roster and makes an, an impact on a team, assuming he stays healthy, but he just doesn't have that, that body type that NFL scouts are going to think could be a long-term success in the league. So, un- unfortunately, um, it doesn't look like, kind of like why I was worried about that, that Daniel Wise is going to have the opportunity to really uh, have his showcase year that he needs to be able to bump up that, that draft stock. So Yeah. So any other players you wanted to call out for this week and either playing really well or not playing nearly as well as you thought they would? Uh, <laughs> pardon me. No, I don't think so. Uh, I, I think we've uh, covered that part of it at least pretty well. Yeah, I'm wondering in terms of the way that the wide receiver and the, the running back kind of rotation is going. I, I know you said that we didn't really get many wide receivers going, and I was a little disappointed that Stephen Sims wasn't really able to get much going. Um, I don't have the actual number in front of me, but if I remember correctly, based off of everything that I'm seeing here, it looks like he only got like six targets for the entire game, um, which doesn't seem like a lot when he's clearly the best receiver that you have. Kerr Johnson got the longest one and actually had the most yards because he got that 31-yard touchdown reception. 
Uh, yeah. But it just didn't seem like they were looking Stevenson's way very much at all. I'm hoping that that changes. It probably will change as we have to throw more to try to stay in the Big 12 game. Um, but I'm, I'm, I am a little concerned about those trends, that we're not necessarily utilizing the best players that we have as much as we should. Obviously, you're, you're going to try to get to Cooper Williams quite a bit. Um, a guy like Don Williams is probably good for, like, the, the power back situations where you need to just, like, bowl into the line and, you know, push for a couple yards to get that first down. So the fact that Don Williams got 10 carries and only got 32 yards out of it kind of makes sense just given the the situations that I think it's more appropriate to use it for. So, um, but, like, Khalil Herbert seemed to get lost in all the, you know, like, what was going on. He had nine carries but only had 29 yards. His long was only eight yards. So, I, I mean, I'm a little surprised that the, the two best offensive players that we thought coming into the year in Khalil Herbert and then Stevenson Jr. aren't really getting very much in the way of looks or, or production. Um, any any chance you think that that continues into the Big 12 play, or, or do you think that they're going to have to start going to these guys more to have any kind of success? Yeah, I don't, if they're going to win a Big 12 game or two or whatever, then, yeah, they're going to need those guys to produce. Um, but, again, you know, I don't – we have kind of a unique position. We don't know how much of this is the opponent's game planning or how much of this is, uh, you know, KU's game planning um, or, or or what the root cause of it is. Uh, but, uh, I mean, one thing that struck me, I guess, that I'd, I'd like to mention is that, and again, this is probably a byproduct of our offensive line, but we just don't have much of a downfield passing game. Uh, when, when I got, when we got back from the game, you know, I had the, we had the, Clemson Texas A&M game on, and those guys were throwing the ball down the field, and I'm just like, man, I didn't see any of that today. Um, I guess the first touchdown pass was down the field, but um, you know, there's all kinds of space in the middle of the field, and I just don't feel like we're utilizing that, and that's got to be because they don't trust the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, that's the only thing that I can explain it with. Because, yeah, the one pass that was down the field that you're talking about that, that that touchdown was on was really a case of, hey, the offensive line held up really well on that play compared to everywhere else. And they completely, like, didn't pick up the receiver at all. He he was wide yeah. open. There was nobody yeah. anywhere. Like, he had enough time for the ball to float in, and he like, to, had, to, had to adjust and stop and start and go a couple of different ways. And he still caught it over his shoulder in an awkward catch. So, I mean, yeah, he had plenty of time there. Like, that was kind of the perfect – the perfect storm of them not playing well and not getting any kind of pressure on the QB and the QB could just float it up there. So um, yeah, yeah. yeah, I I definitely agree that I think the offensive line is still kind of the root of everything um, in terms of the problems that we're seeing offensively. Yeah. I have to think though, that something's going to have to give if they're going to have any chance for any kind of opportunity for success in the big 12. So speaking of success, um, moving forward, the news came out from the press conference afterwards, um, talking about Puka Williams and how he was able to play, but there was you know questions all the way up until basically kickoff about whether he was actually going to be able to play, um, but that he may not be available moving forward, uh, which has caused all kinds of speculation from people about you know what's going on with him. Um, I'm going to say you know just for my on the record, the only thing that makes sense to me, and I'm not trying to start any rumors or anything, you know, I've got to give myself all my outs here. The only thing that makes sense is there's some sort of academic performance eligibility issue. I don't know what his transcripts were like when he came in. I don't know what his, you know, any kind of summer work was like or anything like that. But the only thing that makes sense to me is why a guy may or may not be eligible 
is that there's questions about whether he's going to get the grades that he needs to. And so it may not be a sense like he's ineligible from an NCAA standpoint, but it may be that his grades just aren't good enough at a level yet where he's going to get the credits that he needs, and they want to make sure that he stays eligible. Um, because, you know, if he if he doesn't get the grades that he needs in classes and is declared academically ineligible in the second semester, yeah, it's not going to change anything that they're doing this semester, but it causes lots of problems for him moving forward. So if he's a guy that they think is long-term a big plan for this team, um, you know, they've got to make sure that he keeps those grades up and does whatever he has to do to get to, to remain eligible because, you know, once he has that problem in the first semester, it's really hard to get it turned around fast enough that he'd be eligible next year if he gets academic ineligibility. So, I mean, that's the only thing that kind of makes sense. It's the only kind of eligibility issue or availability issue that's not, you know, that, that could be recurring like that, um, you know, after it's resolved for one week. So, like, I, I don't think it's like a family personal issue because, Typically, those are things where a guy would, you know, take a leave of absence from the program or would, you know, be focusing on other things and he'd be gone for a set number of period, you know, a, a set number of weeks and then he would come back and everything would be good moving forward. Um, you know, if it was a health issue, then they probably would have said, you know, he's a little banged up. It doesn't sound like it's a health issue. And obviously, the way he played, it doesn't, you know, lend itself to it being a health issue. So, right, um, right. I mean, that's the only thing. Again, I don't have any sources telling me this or anything like that. It just the only thing that logically makes sense is that there's something academically. Um, I'm hoping that's not the case, or I'm hoping if it is the case, it's something they can fix quickly. But, you know, assuming that he, we have to wonder about this the rest of the year, like, do you think that that is a, a huge distraction for the team? Do you think it's a problem? Are you worried about the fact that he may not be available in future weeks? I mean, your guess is as good as mine, Andy. I don't, have any idea i obviously missed the post-game press conference and just had to read you know selected quotes or whatever from it but uh gosh who knows with with this coaching staff uh i guess i kind of my first thought was that maybe it's some kind of a medical issue but i mean the dude looked like the best player on the field out there so uh yeah yeah i yeah it's who, who knows i i have i don't even have a guess at this point yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm a little concerned about it moving forward, but that's also kind of one of those things that I don't think, you know, if if we're going to I don't think any of these games are going to be close enough. Like the ones we have an opportunity to win, we're either going to win them or you know, we're going to lose spectacularly. Like I don't think it's going to be close enough that oh, if we had Anthony, or I'm sorry, if if we had Puka Williams, you know, he would have made just that little tiny bit of difference. Now, maybe you can say the game plan would have been completely different and, and we probably would have blown that team out. Um, but even in that case, I don't like I don't think that there's enough you can directly attribute to him to overcome any of the other issues that we have. He definitely makes it easier for us to kind of work around certain things, but it's not like we're that much of a night and day based solely on his play. So um, I don't know. I think you could say that about Nickel State, but going forward, I don't know how much you could say that. I mean, yeah, like that game was so close. Like, I think he would have been just enough to push us over the edge. But I don't, I don't think it would have been like, oh, we had him for nickel state, we would have won by three touchdowns. Like, I don't well, think no, he yeah. makes that much of a difference. Um, you know, any game that ends within three points or goes into overtime, like you could say, well, he probably would have given them enough. Um, but there were also some real problems defensively in that game as well. So like the difference between Nickel State and this game was I think the biggest difference was the defense. I mean the defense scored a bunch, 
directly. They put us in really good positions. So even if we didn't have a guy like Puka Williams, we probably would have been in good position to score enough points to win that game. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it was great to have him. It was great to see what he can do. And I do think down the road, if our offensive line can gel, can get it together, he can then have the opportunity to do some big things and make a name for himself. But I, I, I'm just not thinking that he's enough in and of himself to turn the offense around and to, you know, give us the kind of performance that we need to be competitive in the Big 12. So, I mean, yeah, I would much rather have him than not have him, but I also don't think right. he's, you know, he's not, especially being a true freshman, he's not established enough to change my opinion on this offense as a whole just because he's there. So, so given all of that, you know, I don't want to get too much into, like, Rutgers preview, um, but I did want to go ahead and ask you, does this game change your expectations at all for the rest of the season for this team? Whether that's, do you expect them to be more competitive in Big 12 games and maybe keep a, a few of them close? Do you think this changes the timeline of when Beatty ends up getting fired? Um, you know, Or do you think that this is enough to start being optimistic about actually winning any of the future games? Um, no to all of the above. <laughs> uh the uh I still expect Beatty to get fired uh probably around week ten after the K State game before Oklahoma and Texas. Uh because I fully expect KU to be one and nine at that point, possibly two and eight. Uh about the only thing that this performance does for me is it gives me a little bit of hope against Rutgers. Uh you know, Rutgers is not a good Big Ten team. Their offense is really struggling. Uh struggled last year at Looks like it's struggling in this year, but then again, most teams struggle against Ohio State. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the Rutgers game looks like it might be another Central Michigan winnable type game. But, uh, I mean, yeah, sure, they'll play one or two Big 12 teams close, but I don't expect them to win any of those games. So, uh, yeah. you know, one, one – perfor- one, and I hate to use the word fluke, but, I mean, come on, six turnovers? Uh, you know, one – fluky-ish type performance like that where you get six turnovers is not enough to make me think, oh, they've got it all figured out. Yeah, I mean, Rutgers obviously has all kinds of issues. They got completely demolished by Ohio State last week, um, which really isn't that unexpected. Um, but, I mean, I mean, I think really the only thing that this does is that it gives people a reason to think Kansas can actually do something. Um, obviously, we're not going to get another six you know, another six turnover game, um, or at least we, we we can't expect something like that again. Right, um, right. But they've at least shown that they have the potential, the defense has the potential, if they're not constantly being hounded, you know, they have the potential to actually make big plays. Um, really what it comes down to is, you know, I think we've shown we have enough options now that the offense might be able to put some sustained drive together against a halfway decent defense. To be honest, Central Michigan's defense has not been rated that horribly. Um, you know, it looks like they just had a bad game. And a lot of, I mean, they reminded me a lot of what Kansas has had in the last few years, where they've had a decent defense that hasn't gotten any help from their offense, been put in horrible situations by an offense that can't keep, that, that can't hold onto the ball. Um, yeah. You know, either turning it over or going three and out and punting it right back. Like the defense didn't have yeah, any breaks at all. Um, you know, they played Kansas really close for that first half. And, and we saw that a lot with Kansas the last two years where they would play really well for the first half. And then by that point, the defense is absolutely exhausted from being on the field all the time. And then they break down in the second half and the other team just blows them away. I mean, I yeah. saw a lot of, 
as, as I put it on Twitter, you know, Central Michigan is out Kansas in Kansas. It's really the way it was. Like that was like any other game in the last two two years. I think you flip those two teams, and that's you know Kansas would fit right into how Central Michigan played that game. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's not changing any of my expectations. And what it does finally is it makes me think that they actually have an opportunity against another bad team. Um, I'm still not expecting them, you know, to win any more than one possibly in the Big 12, and that's going to take a team like Baylor or, you know, a team like Texas Tech being as bad as we think they potentially could be and having a really bad game. Like, it's going to take yeah. both of those together um, because, one, I don't think Baylor or Texas Tech or anyone else in the Big 12 is as bad as Kansas. And, two, I still think that even if they are similar to the same level, one, the, those winnable games are going to be on the road, so they're going to have to have a little bit of luck going into them anyway. Um, but Kansas has lost so much, and that culture—I hate to say it—but that losing culture is yeah. kind of built in. That you know, if they get if they get down early or they don't really have a good opportunity early in a game, it's really easy to say, "Man, you know, unfortunately, it just looks like it's going to be the same thing it's always been." So, well, I, and I'm glad you brought that up because we got to talking with the people around us when central Michigan put their one drive together and scored that touchdown to make it 21 to seven. I said, you know what? We're going to need every single one of those 21 points and think of all the points we left out on the field already. Like here comes central Michigan. They're, they're rolling now. They got it figured out They're Like everybody fully expected them to just start piling up points. And for us to lose that game, 35 to 21. Um, but you know, but that didn't happen. And we were just, stunned. Well, and if you think about it, it's because the only game where we had ever jumped out to a big lead like that at any point before the fourth quarter um, was that TCU game that we had at home where we jumped out. I believe at one point we were up like 31 to 14 or something like that. I I may have the score wrong, but, you know, we were up quite a bit. It looked like we were going to pull that away. We had, you know, brilliant plays, huge receptions, like all kinds of stuff. Like it was going as well as it possibly could. And then in the fourth quarter, it all turned around and TCU came storm back and we lost. And if I remember right, we lost that game by, a, you know, I think it was like eight or nine points. Um, I may I may have the actual scores wrong, but I mean, that had the same same type of feeling where it's like, hey, Kansas is looking really, really good. You know, maybe they can actually win this one convincingly. And what happened with TCU is they were able to come back. And that one was, was KU was at home, so... You know, right. you had a little bit more confidence thinking, oh, well, if they're playing this well, TCU is playing this bad on the road, maybe this is the chance they finally get it. But playing on the road, even though Central Michigan wasn't rated a very well of a team at all, like we've seen that story before where K yeah. put some stuff together early and then the other team comes going back and then it's a laugher at the end. Like that's what that felt like. Um, you know, I, I actually didn't get a chance to see that live. I think it happened like right after I left. Um for my for my company coming and so I came back and I saw they had scored like I was checking Twitter occasionally trying not to get too much because I wanted to go back and actually watch the game. Um, yeah, and I oh my gosh, that guy he was so wide open in the end zone. Like I thought, great here their coaches have us figured out now. You know, here we go again. Yeah, exactly. So I was definitely concerned about that, but luckily they were able to get it turned around. And honestly, it really just came down to the defense got a couple more turnovers. Like we finally were just able to slam the door on the game. So. Yeah. It gives me some hope for Rutgers, but again, I actually I'm I'm appearing on a podcast, uh, a, a different podcast, to talk about that game. We're going to have someone from Rutgers, um, you know, that 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 covers Rutgers, come join us on the preview episode. So 
Awesome. We will, we will have plenty of Rutgers conversation coming up, but yeah, I think that probably is our only winnable game left. Um, I mean, we, we have a shot in some of the other ones, and we've seen some crazy stuff in college football, so I'm not going to say absolutely there's no way they win any other games, but if you're looking at the odds and you know updating them based off of the results from this last week, like, that really looks to be the only realistic game that we have a shot in. So, yeah. All right, any other final thoughts you want to leave us with before we get out of here for the day? Uh, I think we've touched on everything I wanted to talk about anyway. Yep. yep. All right. Well, um, Mike, thanks Thanks again for joining me, and hopefully we can talk again next week and have similar nice things to say about the team. So. <laughs> Indeed. All right. All right. Thanks. Yep. We'll see you. And that'll do it for today. Big thanks again to Mike for joining me. Um, when I had booked him into these opportunities, I didn't think we would be be able to be quite as happy about the result of the KU game. So it was nice to be able to actually talk about a win there. So uh, just some notes that are on what's coming up. Later this week, I am going to be joined by Josh Klingler. He is the, the voice of the KU women's soccer team on IMG Sports Radio. Or, or I'm sorry, the IMG Sports Network. Uh, they do the, the televised broadcasts of the KU women's soccer. You can see those on ESPN+. Plus. Um, but he's going to be joining me. He does the play-by-play on there. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, the, the women's soccer team is doing an absolutely phenomenal job this early in the year. So, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to have one of those non-revenue sports, at least one every year, that's, that's a really, really big surprise and a really good team to talk about. And it looks like it's going to be women's soccer this year. So um, just a review of what, ha- what else happened over the weekend. Uh, you know, we had, obviously, the KU football game that went really, really well. Uh, we actually had women's volleyball. Um, they played versus American, won that one three to nothing. Uh, they also played against Auburn. They lost that two sets to three. Uh, and then they went ahead, they played Loyola Marymount, lost that one uh, three sets to one. So, unfortunately... Volleyball at the Jayhawk Invitational did not go, or I'm sorry, at the Kansas Invitational did not go nearly as well as they were hoping for. Um, the golf teams, we they are actually up in uh, Madison, Wisconsin at the Badger Invitational. Uh, it was day one of the men's golf today, uh, today being Sunday. Um, and then the women's soccer team is, uh, played as well uh, Sunday. And I'm actually not seeing the score for whatever reason. I haven't actually had a chance to check in on that score. I'm wondering if, with all the rain that was happening, if that game got rained out. So, um, it is looking like that is probably what happened. But, I will continue to look at that as I do the rest of the wrap-up. For those of you guys that aren't already, please go out, uh, check us out on iTunes, rate, subscribe, give us five stars, all that fun stuff. It really does help get the word of the podcast out there. Um, and yeah, I, I was able to just kind of confirm that the Kansas-Pittsburgh match was canceled, unfortunately, due to the weather. So uh, they didn't get it. The women's soccer team did not get an opportunity to play over the weekend. Uh, according to what I'm seeing here on the schedule, they are next back in action. Uh, looks like this weekend coming up. Yes, they're playing on Friday. Uh, at 7 p.m. 
on ESPN Plus. So we will be previewing that matchup with with uh, with, with Josh Klingler and the women's tennis will actually be in action this next weekend coming up as well. So again, more stuff that we'll be talking about on our next episode of the podcast. But um, if you if you haven't already, please jump out there right, like, uh, rate and subscribe and all that fun stuff. Reach us on Twitter at Rock Chalk Pod. You can email us rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you know, we are we are always wanting to get your input, so please, please go ahead and connect with us there. But it, it was great having you guys here to listen to us one more time, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Podcast Network.